knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. So you have a double promise there. If you add these things to your life, you will not fall. But if you don't, you will fall. And it's, you don't want to think about it, but if you get so far away from God, and this is God's word saying this, but he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Well, what happens when you forget you've purged from your old sins? You do exactly what you did before you got saved. And I mean you're lost. So that's the reason we need to add these things to our lives. God uses these attributes in our lives to draw others uh, to him. <clears throat> God uses us to create a thirst in them so they can come to the one that gives them water that they never thirst again. John 4, 13, 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. If you want someone to take what you're trying to give them, you have to make what you have better than what they have. If we're complaining, we're never talking about God, we're always talking about things of the world, why does anybody want that? They've got all that. We need to think about the things of the Lord. So, for instance, if you were in the market for a new car, and I said, well, i got this car lot, I need you to come look at it, I probably wouldn't sell your car, would I? Unless you're just wanting a heap, a heap of metal. But even if I showed you one close up, probably wouldn't want what I got, would you? You would probably want something a little shinier. Now, I might could sell you this one till you saw the price tag. And I don't know anybody, anybody in here. Tim's got his hand up. He'll take one. Oh, you're wanting to outline. You're not wanting the car. <laughs> I thought he's ready. To, I thought he was bidding on the car. Okay, all right. But we have to make what we have appealing. That's just like uh, if some if they are trying to sell you a new car. Do you think if a car gets eight miles to the gallon, that's what they're going to advertise? No, they're going to advertise how fast it is how long it'll last, and all the good traits about it. But we need to show forth the good attributes of the Lord. And that salt, our saltiness will prod people to want Jesus Christ. So that's salt. Now we're going to go to light. <clears throat> the Bible says not only are we the salt of the earth, but we are the 
light of the world. God has placed us in a dark world, and we are to reflect the light of Jesus onto this world. <clears throat> We're not our own light, but we are to reflect the light of Jesus. John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. With the intensity of the darkness around us, it makes our responsibility great to reflect the light of Christ so that others can see how to be saved. So the things about light, light attracts. Of course, if you've ever been to a, a football stadium at night or even a or baseball field and a night game and the lights are on, uh, if you look up at those lights, you won't be able to count the bugs that are attracted to those lights. You know, if you have a, uh, a night light on your, on your front porch, if that thing's on when you get home in the summertime, you have to fight the bugs away to get in the house before they do because the light attracts them. I remember uh, my best friend told me about him and his dad one time. They lived in Pine Hall. And if you know where Pine Hall is, that's good. If not, uh, it's about 15 miles from where they went. But they saw this light just glowing over the hills, and they didn't know where it was coming from. So they decided one day that they were going to take off and see it. I believe probably the conditions were just right that night, probably some high clouds and no light from the stars, no light from the moon, and it just seemed like that light was so bright. And so they just get in the car and start driving toward, take this road, take that road, take this road, going toward that light. And what it was was Walkertown. And if you don't know, there's a car depot in Walkertown. It's a pretty big place. And it's, at night, it's, it's just like daytime over there because they have to keep those cars lit up so people don't steal them. And so, uh, but that light attracted them from 15 miles away. They just had the curiosity of what was there. And if nothing else, if we will reflect the light of Christ, maybe it's just out of pure curiosity, somebody wants to check out our life and see what's different about us. <clears throat> John Wesley said, I light myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. And we ought to light ourselves on fire with the word of God and, uh, and live like Jesus told us to live and it will cause people to come and watch us. God tells us to make our lights visible. You know, the song says, don't, or the verse says, don't put it under a bushel, right? Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We don't want them looking at us and to give us a pat on the back to say how good we are, but to look at us to see how good Christ is. Now, some used to think that, and I guess there's probably some still in the world, and, and when I think about this type of life, I think of uh, what Hindus, uh, what I have been told that Hindus do, uh, and that is to actually uh, live remotely, uh, deprive yourself, even inflict pain on yourself, uh, uh, to, and that's supposed to be more to them, it's for their gods, but there's actually, there were actually Christians that used to do that, and they still some uh, monks that live in solitude and don't speak. 
and there were some that used to live and some that actually thought that the more that they were like nature, the more that they were like an animal, the more that they would be like God. And they used to actually graze on grass like a, like a cow did. But, of course, that's not what uh, God wants us to do. He wants us to be seen and not to be seen again for us, but to be seen and reflect the light of him. The world can only become darker by withdrawing its lights and more corrupt through the removing of the salt that's scattered over it. Now, uh, that sect of people certainly escaped the vices of the day. I mean, uh, they didn't partake in the vices and the sins of the world, but they didn't entice anyone to come live for God. We must allow the joy and peace of God to show in our lives. The word of God tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. Philippians 2, 14 and 16. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know, you don't, if you live for God and then complain about what you've got to do, you're not reflecting any light at all. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And then First John two fifteen through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now when God says love not the world, he's not saying love not the people, but love not the ways of the people. Now we may say that's right. The world is awful, but how full of the world are we? We need to examine our lives on a regular basis and see how much of the world we are allowing to influence us. How much of the world worldliness is causing us to change the what we do instead of the word of God changing us so that other people will do what, what the word of God says. God has left us here to be a reflection of the light in a very dark world many came to know God through the ministry of John the Baptist Jesus said of John the Baptist he was a burning and a shining light we are to be lights as well Matthew five sixteen. let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven in John three twenty one, but he that doeth doth he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. When we come to the light, what happens? If we're living in truth and we come to the light, what happens? We reflect more light. We could ask ourselves the question, do people see Jesus in me? Or rather, we should ask ourselves, do people see Jesus in me? But not only does light re attract, at the same time, it repels. And you know that if you, if, if, 
you've you've been in darkness for a while and you turn the light on, you know, it's it, it, it's repelling. You 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 close your eyes until your eyes can get adjusted. Well, the same thing when people live in the world in darkness so bad, they reject the light. They don't want to see the light. They don't want to keep living the way they're living. You know, it's difficult to find total darkness. I count in my, my our kitchen and our living room is one open area with a bar there separating them. And I counted one day, this has been a while back, with the microwave, the oven, coffee maker, uh, router, uh, there's a printer where you can see it. There was almost 40 LED lights. Now, you know, like a clock, has got several on it. And so it's 40-some, and it's even more than that now, because I don't think that printer was in there then. <clears throat> and so even in, if it's a dark night in total darkness, you can, you can walk through our living room and, you know, not run into anything. If, you're, if you've adjusted to the light. But when people live in darkness, they don't want to see that light. They want to keep living uh, the way they're living. In England, <clears throat> back when they used to have gas lights, uh, what they would do, they would have a man that would go around and he would poke uh, on some, uh, some kind of stick or whatever with fire on it into the bottom of the light. And the gas lights would come on and light the streets. Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon observed these lamplighters and said that we as Christians are to be lamplighters for God, poking holes in the darkness in the world. And you, you could watch those lamplighters go down the street and where you couldn't see the street before, as they go down the street, you can begin to see further and further away. And that's what we need to do is the more light that we shine, the more that people can see Christ. It's daylight now, but spiritually when we leave this afternoon or around noon, uh, spiritually it's dark outside. It's always dark outside. And we need to take God's light with us. The song entitled, Jesus Bids Us Shine, and I'm not going to sing it, I'm going to read it. <coughs> Jesus bids us shine with a pure, clear light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, we must shine, and in your small corner, you in your small corner, and I in mine. You ever notice how that <clears throat> if you've ever drove by uh, a bar, a uh, drinking establishment, whatever you want to call it, saloon, whatever you want to call it, how dark it is inside? And I'm thankful right now, and I hope it stays this way, we don't have the uh, gambling places or the Internet cafes around. But ever notice you can't see in one of them? There's windows, but they've all got some kind of covering where I guess they could see out, but you can't see in there. You know why? Because the people that's in there don't want you to know they're in there. Oh, it's okay, and there's nothing wrong with it, but just don't let anybody see me in there, right? Christ's light has the power to repel darkness, and he has given us the responsibility to reflect 
his light. Reflecting light is very important. Just think about the light from the moon on a perfectly clear night. Think about the influence that reflector has on this earth. <coughs> you say, well, I mean, you know, I guess the first thing you think about, of course, you can help you see some at night. Think about the tide. But if you want some excitement, go to a nursing home about 11 o'clock at night of a full moon. If you've never been there, you're missing something, I tell you. And it'll be that way almost every time. Now, a doctor will tell you, most doctors will tell you, it has absolutely nothing to do with the behavior of the patients. The doctors are home in the bed. Ask the nurses if it has anything to do with their behavior. And every one of them will tell you, if they've been there any length of time, it definitely, definitely influences those patients that are there not the ones with full mental capacity, but if they're, if they're uh, dementia of some sort, it affects them. So God, you, you think that, when you think about that, now God knows that happens, and you think about that God made that moon, and he made the sun, and he put us, put that moon where it would affect the tides, and even affect the thoughts in people's minds. Now, I know it affects them because I see it. I've seen it and seen it and seen it. We just simply have the ability to overcome any effects of that. But when your mental capacity is diminished, it affects it. So light and things that God has set up on this earth and outside this earth affects us. Never think that the light you reflect doesn't matter. Now, so we think the moon has no influence. A full moon has no influence over us, right? But it does have influence. So don't think because you can't see the influence of your light that there is no influence because it does influence people that are in the dark. Every Christian, regardless of age, race, or social status, needs to reflect the light of Christ. The sum total of Christians, like the moon, has a great influence on this earth. You just imagine just for a moment. Get your imagination cap on. And for one day... Take all the influence of Christ off this earth. you imagine what it would be like? Nobody had anything restricting them from doing whatever they wanted to do. We need to let our light shine. And then lastly, light requires a source. We've talked about the moon, and we know now... I guess if you're a flatlander, I don't know what you know. But if you, if you believe the earth is round and the moon revolves around the earth, we know that the moon is not a light. It has no light. It if it wasn't for the sun, you, wouldn't, you could, wouldn't be able to see the moon, really. You wouldn't be able to see it off if it wasn't for the sun. It's not like a star. You can see a star without the sun, but you couldn't see the moon. You couldn't see the planets in the sky if 
those that know where they are know how to find them. I can't ever find them. Uh, you couldn't see them if it wasn't for the sun. They don't have their own light. But light requires a source. Everybody reflects light from something or someone. I don't care if you're saved or not. You reflect a light, so to speak, on other people. I'm sure you know people that are really just basically wicked. Well, they cause people around them to live like them. So we need to shine our light so that to cause people to want to live like we do, which is to follow Christ. If we are to reflect the light of the world, we must understand the source of this light. Where does it come from? Well, number one, God himself is light. 1 John 1, 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There is no darkness in God. There is not one part of him that's bad. It's, it's all light. It's all good. When we walk with God, we have all the light we need. When you're walking in the dark, if it's really dark, don't know where you're going, not a good level surface, you need a light. When we're walking in the world, God is all the light we need to walk through the world. Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 36, 9, In that light shall we see light. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Acts chapter 9 tells us about uh, the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. <coughs> Acts 26 and 13 says, At midday, O king, I saw, the, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. I don't mean higher, but it means it's bright, it was brighter than the sun. Shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Now this, <clears throat> this is Paul's story of his conversion. Uh, it is told more times in the New Testament than any other conversion. Paul tells it several times and several times... Uh, in his writings, it's clear that he has told the people already that he's talking to. So why do we see it so prominently in the Word of God? Well, one, of course, is the fact that Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament, so his uh, testimony is going to be more prominent than a lot, but he tells it over and over and over again. You say, well, yeah, well, he was telling different people, so he told it more times. But God left it in there. God put it in the word of God that we would read it over and over and over again of Paul's a testimony. And Paul told it because it was the clearest explanation of salvation that he had because he experienced it. Anything that you experience, you can tell better than you can tell something that somebody else experienced. Now, you could tell, Brother John, you could tell me how you got saved, and I could go, uh, I could tell 
or Brother Tim, but I couldn't tell it like you can tell it because I don't know it like you know it. Just like I can tell about my salvation better than you could tell about my salvation, although some of you have heard it several times. That's the reason it's important. Our salvation story is important. Paul used it over and over and over again. And if we have something that's that many times in the Word of God exampled, we need to make an example of our life. Now, you've heard me say this before, but write your story down. If you haven't done it, you really ought to do it. Write the story of your salvation down. Rehearse the story of your salvation with yourself. And you will find, really, if you spend much time at it, you will add something to it. Not that you're adding something that wasn't so, but you will see how God worked in your life to bring you to salvation. You will see things over and over again. You will see more of what God did to bring you to salvation. And the more that you know your own story, the better you can tell somebody else how to be saved. When we walk with the Lord, some people will be drawn to the light and some people will hate the light. Light has the quality of being pleasurable to some and irritating to others. The closer we are to our Heavenly Father, the more we will be like Him. You think about it, if, if you're out at, uh, if you're in the dark, you got a flashlight <clears throat> and you shine it on a piece of glass, especially a mirror, if you're close to it, you won't be able to look at the mirror because it's going to be so bright. You'll turn away from it or close your eyes or cut the light off. But now if you take that same piece of glass or mirror and go about 100 feet away, you can shine light on it all the time. But the closer you get to that glass, the more light is reflected off of that glass. And the closer we are to God, the more of his light we reflect. And then the Bible is light. And we'll try to finish up here uh, quickly. You have the verses there, so we won't read those. Interesting that the book in the very center of the Bible contains a chapter in which every verse focuses on his word. If you look at your pages in, the, in your Bible, you'll find that Psalm is in uh, basically the center of the Bible. And in Psalm 119, every verse in it talks about the word of God. And there's more verses in Psalm, of course. Also, Psalm 119 has the most verses of any chapter in the Bible. The light of the word of God reveals the darkness of our sin and illumines the presence of God. It is vital then that we read, memorize, and meditate on the word of God so that the light of God can effectively shine both on us and through us. <clears throat> now, at the age of most of us in here, it is harder to memorize the Word of God than it used to be. And I can look back, and I mean, I memorized some verses. Can't remember that many of them now. I wish I had done a better job of memorizing the Word of God. If you have influence on young people today... <clears throat> Advise them to memorize the Word of God so that they will know it better. But we can still read the Word of God. 
and we can meditate on the Word of God. Gutenberg created the printing press around the year 1450. And, of course, one of the most famous books that he did was the Gutenberg Bible, uh, which happens to now be one of the most valuable books in the world. <coughs> but it brought about, <coughs> of course, different versions of the Bible until we come with the King James Bible, uh, which is the Bible, uh, English Word of God. And what it did, it made it where people didn't have to handwrite the Word of God and hide it so they wouldn't come and either kill them or take it away from them. But what it did, it, it saturated because they could make more and more copies of it. And as, as printing become faster, uh, it flooded Europe with the Word of God. So it no longer did any good to try to take the Word of God away because it was so prevalent. Of course, the devil caught on to that after a couple hundred years and realized that he could do the same thing. And he flooded the world with perversions of the Word of God. And now there are so many out there that says they're Bibles, and some of them don't even resemble a Bible. But we do have the Word of God available to us. The translation and distribution of God's Word were the key factors in bringing about of the Reformation. That's the reason uh, the, the light of the Word of God helped to bring about the end of the Dark Ages. And it helped to stop the killing of those that were trying to spread the gospel. As we studied the martyrs, many of those were killed because they were trying to spread the Word of God. But once the Word of God became more available, it didn't do any good to kill them because people still had of the Word of God. <clears throat> the key aspect of both salt and light is they make a difference in their surroundings. And so we should strive to do that, to make a difference in our surroundings by uh, being salty, by living like God and shining the light that God has given us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord. Uh, for the examples we have in the Word of God. And, Lord, as we go through this, uh, these lessons, Lord, how that we can be closer to you, Lord, and draw others to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.